and we're recording. Welcome in, everybody. Um, obviously, we're not going to be as jubilant today as we normally are. Um, Owen, can you tell us why? Cole, we went 0 for 3 on week one. 0 for 3. I could cry. I have to relive this moment. I've kind of like subsided the losses into my, you know, into my subconscious and now the resurface. Yeah. I have to relive yeah. Thursday night all over again. Yeah. It, um, it's a little bit more fresh for you than it is for me, but. It was a brutal weekend of college football. College football is back. Yes. no, And, it was a, and we're excited about that. I will say, besides our three games, they were phenomenal games for week all, one. All weekend. And I mean, even our three game, well, no, two of the three games. Two of the we, three games were amazing. They didn't go into our, they didn't go in our favor, but they were still fantastic football games. Phenomenal games, yes. What a way to kick off the season with exactly. Penn, West Virginia. One of the best week ones that I've seen in a long, long Absolutely. time. Absolutely. I agree with you. Um, Thursday night kicked it off. Even the Purdue and Penn State game was amazing. Now, I would argue that the, that the backyard brawl was better just oh, because... for sure. Just because of that namesake and the history behind it. But, I mean, Penn State-Purdue was still a great game, so... But as for us, we're going to relive this nightmare, so join us for this next hour. My Feel name's Owen. our pain. <laughs> yes. My name's Owen Sapelnik. My name's Cole Connor. And this is the Panther Pod. Okay, so getting into week one. Cole, let's start with a blowout who was not such a good game. Georgia, Oregon. Ugh. Forty-nine to three. Yeah, brutal. Absolutely brutal. I mean, didn't somebody say that Georgia was not going to be as good as they were last year? Like, they, no, they, that was for sure me. Wait, I definitely said that. Weren't they? Did, like, they lost a lot on defense. Was that right? Yeah. No. Um. Clearly, <laughs> they haven't lost a step. Um, no. And they've they've proved that they absolutely dominated Oregon from the opening snap. Exactly. By the way, did you see what Kirby Smart had to say about Oregon's players? He in his post game press conference. He no. Was, what did he say? He said. Um, he said Oregon knows we got better players. Like our players are just downright better, and Dan knows that. Landing knows that. That oh. Georgia just has the superior players. <laughs> like I wouldn't say. I don't know if he said superior, but from what I re- can remember watching, that it, was, he was the like, context. The context was, hey, our players are far better than Oregon's. And he was, and he was like, even their head coach knows that. And I was like, dude, that's some shade. Dude. That is some shade. But why are you gonna throw the shade though? Like that's that's what I'm saying is it's it is well, forty nine I mean, to three. Like here's the thing about it. Kirby is trying to do what Nick Saban has done for years, and he is very successfully replicating what Saban has done for years. Absolutely. Just by crushing anyone that's not in the SEC, and even then crushing most teams in the SEC. Yeah, and Oregon is not a cupcake. Like, Mario, no. like remember this, Dan Lanning uh, took over a Mario Cristobal Oregon, which was not in the dumps whatsoever. Like, they no. were in the Pac-12 championship game last year. Yeah. Oregon has been solid for years. Absolutely. A, fi- a Final Four contender every year. Yeah. Excuse me. Final Four contender every year. Um. One game that I would like to touch on, Oklahoma State versus Central Michigan. I know it's not getting a whole lot of That's right. hype, but, but 
Oklahoma State didn't cruise. It was a rough game. It was a high-scoring game. Their offense cruised. Yeah. But, I mean, I, th- I think you, you feel that hole that Jim Knowles is no longer yeah, there. Absolutely. And that was – by beating them, was that only two touchdowns? 50? Yeah. I mean, that's – That's, that's a, scary. That's a MAC team, you know. And nothing against the MAC, but, I mean – Granted, w- granted, Western Michigan did beat the ACC champs last year. Yeah, um, <laughs> they didn't beat Michigan State this week. Nope, <laughs> they did not. Um, but you know, that's just—it's just crazy to me that like, I think that goes to show that coaches do make an impact. You know, because there are sometimes arguments that hey, coaches can coach all they want, but they're not the ones making the plays. But that's a big thing to notice that, hey, that Oklahoma State de- – last year that Oklahoma State defense would was, not – What, top five Yeah, they the were solid. I think – no, no. I think they were, like, number one at one point for a couple weeks. I mean, ridiculously good. Yeah. <laughs> now look what Jim Knowles did at o- Ohio State. Speaking of Jim Knowles, that Ohio State-Notre Dame game. Low-scoring game right there. Very. Hey, but I was I was impressed with Notre Dame, how they came out swinging. We're leading the game at one point. Into ha- I think into halftime they yeah, were leading the game. they were. Um, Marcus Freeman. Here's the thing. I if I'm an Notre Dame fan, I mean Marcus Freeman is is a great great replacement for oh, yeah. uh, Brian Kelly. So do I think his offense needs some work, or he needs to find a better QB? One hundred percent. But he's first year. This is his second game as a yeah. head coach. Yeah, absolutely. He so their bowl, and this is their first one. I think this zero and one start isn't going to hamper Marcus Freeman. I think this is the team around him getting comfortable, and I think maybe in the off season Notre Dame's looking for a new offensive coordinator. Maybe. Um, it, but it's also – I think it's to this. It's only week one. We can't draw conclusions. No, absolutely not. Because you you can make observations and say, oh, these are certain things that look good. These are things that they'll improve on. But everybody's got to get these kinks worked out here in week one. Ohio State, if they're they're dangerous now, that defense is dangerous, just wait till November. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they can – to me, it seems like with Ohio State, the way that Ohio State is, they can only get better from here. Um, but they played a good Notre, good Notre Dame team last night. And that, I mean, I was impressed with Notre Dame. I, like, I thought they would lose, and they did lose by two scores. But I thought they would lose by maybe three. You know, it's just because you have turnover. But that says something to Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame. While we're on the subject of OSU and Notre Dame, number eight Michigan against Colorado State, 51-7. to now, I know I just said while we're on the subject of OSU and Notre Dame, mm-hmm. those are two games on Michigan's schedule. Oh, yeah. Ohio State and Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Is They played Colorado State. Colorado State is obviously not on the same level as Michigan. Am I definitely getting excited for OSU-Michigan. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Normally, that's that's the game in the Big Ten that everyone circles their calendars for. It's it like, literally oh, is this is gonna the be an, game. Yeah, it's going to be an offensive slugfest. You know, now that Ohio State is emphasizing their defense more, are we going to see a brutal, hard-nosed hitting football game? And I think so. I think, I think so too. There's no reason why we shouldn't. Does that mean Jim Harbaugh in that game will resort to 
a pass to to the pass more often than they are because Michigan's bread and butters run the football yeah. downhill. Oh, they running. demonstrated it. They demonstrated very much so. They demonstrated against Colorado State. Yeah. So, yeah, no, the game. I think I think we knew that coming into this season that the game was also going to be another classic this year. Mm-hmm. End of the year rivalry week. It's going to be great. Yeah, come on. Um, Utah, Florida, another game that mm-hmm. we said keep your eyes out for this year. Florida with the upset. Billy Napier in his first game in the swamp comes out, beats Utah. It was a great game. If you're not if you're a Florida fan, you thought it was a great game. If you're a Utah fan, you're coming out really bummed. Well, I think you're right. I mean, it was a it, just what a week in general for college football. Like one I know you said this as well. It's like Houston UTSA went into OT week one. Three overtimes, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was just one. One overtime? Who I am thought. I thinking went into three overtimes? No, they did go into three overtimes. Okay, that's what wow. I thought. It was three overtimes. That's insane. Yeah. UTSA is um, a good team. Yeah. They'll be in the American next year or 2024 yeah. s- sometime I mean, soon. It's definitely, I think they said uh, 2024, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it all across Division One, and I know we're just kind of highlighting the top 25 teams, but... In in all honesty, across Division One this week, it has been insane, and you can tell that it's trickled down into D three with if you look at the ODAC scores, which Absolutely. we'll get to here in a bit. Um, a few other blowouts: uh, Wisconsin absolutely dismantled Illinois State, thirty eight to nothing. Uh, Baylor against Albany, sixty nine ten. Miami versus Bethune, yeah. Set what was that, seventy to thirteen or sixty nine? Seventy to thirteen, yeah. Mm-hmm. Another shout out, I want to give a team their very first game. FBS absolutely killed this team. JMU blew out Middle Tennessee State, really forty four to seven. As you're that, I am utterly. I'm not surprised, but I'm utterly impressed yeah. with JMU. And now it's again one game, one game. They still got tough. They still got to play Coastal Carolina. They still got to play App State, Marshall this year. Those are going to be good teams this year. If they beat all three of those, I guarantee you JMU is going to start chanting, "We want Bama." Um, they've already chanted that. Barstool JMU already already posted, Lord "We want mercy. Bama." If they do that to Bama. Look out. Harrisonburg is going to be the new Tuscaloosa. <laughs> God, I can imagine it now. <laughs> um, For those of you who don't see what I just did, I just kind of shook my head no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Um, but I was I was utterly impressed because Middle yeah, Tennessee absolutely great for the Dukes. Ex- absolutely. Middle Tennessee was in a shootout last year with Western Kentucky um, in the – Bahamas Bowl last yep. year. So, and that's not to say, like, I know Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee State are not like top tier programs. Not buzz names. But, but Western Kentucky was a good team last year. Yeah. Um, Zach. Middle Tennessee was a good team, what, two years ago? Exactly. Um, Zach, no, um, Zach Zappy, I think. I, he, had a, he had a kind of a uh interesting last name for western kentucky anyways he broke all sorts of ncaa records last year broke western kentucky records was a great quarterback for western kentucky so western kentucky was a good team last year for group of five speaking so you know i just i'm very impressed with the dukes i knew they would i knew they would do well in fbs 
but I feel like there would be some growing pains, and I still think there are going to be growing pains because if you because Marshall, Coastal Carolina, and App State, App State again another game this week that was absolutely insane, high scoring, sixty one to sixty three. If you can get through those unscathed. I mean, you're legit for the Sun Belt whenever you can play for a conference championship again. That's that's a legit team right there. And JMU's always been a, a national championship contender when it came to FCS. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're not going to be as much in FBS, but they're going to be a Sun Belt contender if they continue this streak. Oh, absolutely. And they're going to get into decent bowl games. One thing I will say, um, kind of contradicting ourselves last week, NC State and Eastern Carolina. mm is that a sign of a weaker NC State team this season, or is it a sign of a great ECU team? Or is it just week one yeah. being week one? Yeah. You know, there, so there's so many things that you have to factor in when trying to pass judgment on teams. Um, and we're not like final judges on anything. No, 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 God, no, no. 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 Um, but we have said all off season, and I think you more than I, honestly, that NC State was a team to look out for. They are. 21-20, first week. Ooh. <laughs> but, it, you know, NC uh, – not NC State. Uh, e- ECS, ECU, ECU, yeah. East Carolina is – I mean, they're a decent group of five. They've had yeah. some – they've been on the downturn for the past few years. But, I mean – they they still it's not unusual for a group of five to come up there and bite a few teams. No, you know, absolutely look at not. again, look at App State and UNC this year or the, or this week. So, you know, maybe maybe it is a weaker NC State team, but um, I'll refer back to Josh Pate. He said this on Late Kick last night. Wise men make observations. Foolish men make um, declarations. Not declarations. It starts with a C. Uh not conversations. Dadgummit. Um, uh, assumptions. Wise men make assumptions. Or, uh, you know what? I can't remember. But <laughs> <laughs> conclusions. Conclusions. That's there what it is. Go. That's yeah, what. Wise men make observations. observations. Foolish, foolish men make conclusions. Okay. There you go. I nailed it. Good for I you. I knew it. I knew it started with a C. Okay. Cool. Conclusions. That's the word. Word of the Panthropod today. Conclusions. <laughs> um, but yeah, but going back to Florida and Utah as well, I was—I mean, Utah played well, Florida played well. Billy Napier's, I think, is headed in the right direction. Well, I think they win the East this year. Absolutely not. No, you still have to go through way. Georgia, and you still have to go through Tennessee and Kentucky. Um, but you have Vanderbilt and in Missouri, yeah. which, by the way, <laughs> Vanderbilt <laughs> is two and zero, and currently with their record. This may come to surprise you a little bit. Vanderbilt, I think, is leading the SEC East. A phrase I thought I would never say. Don't say that. Vanderbilt, don't, I don't think, is leading the SEC East oh, only God. because they played a week zero game. Don't say that. No. Are they? They are in fact. No. They are in fact leading. They Vandy, are. Vandy, what are you doing? Vanderbilt isn't. A, I'm putting that $10 down for Vanderbilt to win the SEC championship. You're on those. losing it. If it's $10, okay. But if I, I, I will win big, though, if I, if Vandy oh, wins the man. SEC championship. What did we say? It was like a million a, to one odds? No, it was 100000 It was plus 100000 So if we had put $10 down, we would be millionaires if that bet came through. If my math is correct, 
I'm a history major, guys, so don't don't. But <laughs> if I'm, I'm pretty sure, if you put a dollar down, then you win a hundred thousand dollars, right? Yeah. So you put ten dollars down, that's a million dollars. Yeah. I would put ten dollars down. Andy I could be a millionaire. Is winning the SEC now. Right there's now. we obviously know this is not going to go very far, but they play Wake Forest next week. Yeah, they're losing that one. <laughs> They're they're losing that well, one. Well, and here, here's the thing: Vandy and Hawaii, sixty three ten. Vandy against Elon, forty two thirty one. Could I see them beat Wake Forest? Possible. Is it at Wake Forest? No, it's at Vandy. They're still losing. They're still. I mean, that's <laughs> the next week they play Northern Illinois. Should be a blowout for Vandy. No, Northern Illinois was the MAC championship. Was the MAC champion last year? That's still an SEC team. It's uh, Vanderbilt. It's still an SEC team. So Kansas literally stormed the let's field. Let's say, let's for the sake of argument, <laughs> let's say Vandy is four and zero heading into Week Five. Is okay. that Alabama who they play in Week Five? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mean to tell there. I want you to know something, Cole. If Vandy walks into week five undefeated, there's a good possibility that they are ranked. Lord have mercy on all of us. UConn, if you look at UConn's schedule, well, UConn is one and one. Mm-hmm. There's a good possibility, too, and I'm not going to say good possibility. With UConn's strength of schedule, I think if they were to go – Undefeated, like undefeated through say weeks five or something like that, they could also be ranked. Yeah, absolutely. But you're gonna. T- <laughs> so and here, here's the thing. Vandy, Alabama, in week five. Mm-hmm. After that, Mississippi, Georgia, Missouri, South Carolina, Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee. Out of those, the only one I could possibly see them winning is Missouri. Yeah. But Miz- even then. Mizzou or South Carolina. And even then, South Carolina's going to be great this year. Yeah, because the, the, yeah. They've, Come on. Cause of Spencer Rattler and, and just. Yeah. But just a little. Be on the lookout for our listeners. Week five, are we going to eat our words? More than likely. I don't see Vandy being 5-0. and oh. They could. But do you realize that 5-0. and oh, one more game, they're bowl eligible. Yeah, that's insane. That would be absolutely now. We're now this if, is, if and buts were candy and nuts. If, this is the what if episode of the Panther Pod. <laughs> <laughs> we're taking a turn into the MCU, and we're yeah. going with what if. Yeah. Um, but that's no. I just I wanted to point that out on their schedule. Is Wake Forest? They would have to fight like crazy to try and win that game. And even then against Northern Illinois, they'd have to as well. So so it's 4-0. They'd walk into yeah, Bama 4-0. They'd walk into Bama. Okay. okay. No, if they're walking in 5-0, and they're, if, they, if they beat Bama, they are for sure ranked. Oh, no. If Vandy beats Bama, God help us all. <laughs> wow. Wow. <sighs> yep. That's I just I felt like I should point that one bring out. Bring that to light. Yeah. We will all be Vanderbilt fans for that Alabama game. Oh no, I'm 100% cheering for Vandy. <laughs> um, other notable games. Um, moving on from D1. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Um, looking at the Odak, um, you want to save uh, Ferrum for last? Sure. Okay. So looking at the Odak, Guilford beat Greensboro 48-37. Uh, Shenandoah beat Methodist 27-10. Uh, Wabash beat Hampton Sydney 52-48. Uh, Bridgewater beat Gettysburg 29-14. Christopher Newport beat Washington and Lee 9-3. And Apprentice. What a baseball Apprentice, score. Huh? I said, what a baseball score. I know. Uh, Apprentice beat Averett 27-14. And Randolph-Macon beat NC Wesleyan 49-7. And if um, – I know conference schedules don't matter, right? Or conference rankings don't matter right now because we have not played any conference games – the ODAC currently does have rankings because of overall records. Uh, Bridgewater, sits, Bridgewater, Guilford, Randolph, Macon, Shindo are all tied for first. We will not see an official ranking for the ODAC until Saturday, October 1st. Wild. Yep. Now, I will say this, though. I think we'll see, like... We'll, we'll be able to tell who the good teams are mm-hmm. by the, or what teams to look out for, but we won't see an official... D3 ODAC ranking until Saturday, October the 1st, well, is and what I, I mean by that. Exactly. And as of right now, like ODAC rankings are basically, excuse me, are just going off of overall records at this point, just for the first three weeks, and then they'll get in the conference play, and that's when things are going to really ramp up for the ODAC. So, Washington Lee, Christopher Newport was a team Farron beat last year. So, we're going we're gonna to see uh, – yeah. It's going to be Washington and Lee taking a step back. Yes, but like I said before, wise men make observations. Foolish yep. men make conclusions. I almost ate the mic right there. That <clears> was a little scary. Speaking of um, of conclusions. <laughs> um, hey, Owen. The I, 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 I can make a conclusion real quick. Yeah. D2 is better than D3. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Not um, every day. Not, not every, every day. day. But oh, the conclusion no. of the Ferrum and UVA Wise game, Ferrum 9, UVA Wise 41. Mm. Having a great time here at the Panther Pod. Yeah, we love it. This is pain number one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, Cole, let me read you these stats. Rushing. How many yards do you think Ferrum earned rushing the ball? If I had How many yards guess, they gained? If I had to guess, probably 100, 150, somewhere in there. They gained 37. Mm. Would you like to know how much they lost? Sure. 55. <sighs> Out of 31 attempts, their average attempt... Our average per attempt was about, I'm sorry, that brings their total to negative 18 yards. Yeah, my math is correct there. Negative 18 yards rushing for the Farron Panthers. Mm. UVA-wise gained 311 yards mm. rushing, lost 20 of those, mm. averaged 8.3 yards a carry. Ferrum averaged minus half a yard. They lost half a yard per carry. 
UVA-wise, scored four rushing touchdowns. Farrell got a big old goose egg. With a grand total yards of 291 rushing yards. Mm. Ouch. Yeah, UVA-wise ran all over Farrell. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, they did. However, though, Farron was a little bit better matched through the air. Uh, a little bit? A little bit. I mean, they had, I would say they did quite well through the air. Yeah. They were 17 for 38, didn't turn the ball over, zero interceptions. Uh, they averaged about five and a half yards per catch. One touchdown, which, which extra point was blocked. One yeah. touch, one passing touchdown for a total of two hundred and eight yards passing. That's not, that's not bad. That's not terrible. That's going to be that's, that. That more than likely that should win you most games in the ODAC. Now that seventeen for thirty eight, yeah, maybe that's a not. Scary. Maybe not. Um, UVA wise, twenty four for forty five with one interception. So Farum did get a did get a turnover. He got picked off. Yeah. Yep. Uh, UVA wise ad- averaged about six point three yards a carry, for, or for uh, a catch. For, I'm sorry, per catch. Yeah, per catch. My bad. And uh, two hundred eighty-two yards through the air with a touchdown, with a passing <sighs> touchdown. For a grand total of offensive yards, one hundred and ninety for Farum, five seventy-three for UVA wise. Yep. The only other number that I'm looking at, Farum had one fumble. Mm -hmm. We lost it. UVA-wise had three fumbles. They lost all three. So Farum won the turnover battle. Yes. Farum hands down won the turnover battle because we forced four turnovers. That being said, we only did have 69 plays on offense, while UVA-wise had 80. So UVA-wise's defense was nothing to sneer at either. Yeah. Well, and I'll say this too. Usually when you win, when the, when you win the turnover battle, you usually win the game. I mean, four turnovers, that you yeah. can't – I mean, that's, that's, that's a bad. lot. You should not win the game with that. But if you can't run the ball, you can't run the ball. Yeah. And that's what UVA-wise did, did, did yeah. really well. Their, de- their rushing defense absolutely shut down Farham's rush, uh, rushing attack. Um, only other thing, Farum had four penalties for a grand total of 30 yards. UVA-wise had five penalties for a total of 33 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're seeing a more disciplined Farum team um, overall with, you know, turnovers and with penalties. Um, it's just, I mean, Owen, I hate to say this, but this was a down-home beating. It was. It was. But if you look at the stats, it, sh- it doesn't look like it should have been. No. But I will say this. There are, positive to, there are positives to take away from this. Mm-hmm. You put over 200 yards through the air. Yeah. That's pretty good. And you scored a touchdown, which is decent. I'd like to see more. Need more completions. But still, you put over 200 yards in the air. And you more disciplined. Only two penalties throughout the entire game. Absolutely. Um, you punted five times, though. Uh, Ferrum had four penalties is what I'm looking at. Oh, the one I'm looking at is Ferrum had two. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> I saw punt and read it as penalties. Ah. That is my that is my fault. Yes. 
four penalties for 30 yards. Well, even then, that's even still then, really good. Four penalties throughout 60 minutes of football? Yeah. That's a well-disciplined team. Yeah. That's good. I wish West Virginia had only had four penalties. Yeah, you know my pain. You know, you know my pain. You know my pain. I wish both of our teams combined had four penalties. God, I would love that. Wouldn't that be amazing? Um, so, you know, that's – it's more disciplined team this year. Yeah. More disciplined team. Defense for turnovers. I mean, that's – but, like I said again, though, it is Division Two, so they are a little there's – a, there's a difference. There's a competition difference. But I still think our defense did well. And now, they allowed – Five, over 500 yards of offense. Well, and here's the thing, too. I don't think our offensive line did a good job of preventing QB pressure either because there were six total sacks made against uh, Ferrum. And, um, you know, three of 12 or uh, four of 18 on third down conversions mm-hmm. with 34 minutes of ball time. Like, come on. Like, the stats should show a much competitive game than what actually happened. Exactly. So, it, it still shows that UVA, UVA-wise won. Yes, absolutely. But it doesn't – like, you would think two or three touchdowns, yes, I would say. not 41-9. to nine. Yeah. Um, painful loss. Um, like we said, Farum, this was a D2 opponent. As you heard Chandler say last week – UVA Wise paid Ferrum to play them. This was their tune-up game. Um, I think that this sobers up Ferrum quite a good bit, and I think this turns around and benefits them. It's D three opponents from here on out, though. Yeah, ultimately, you know, it this game doesn't matter in the long haul. Yep, it doesn't matter in the standings. It doesn't matter in anything. It's a good. I think it's also a good game to get your bearings straight. And realize which hey this is what we did right but we've got a lot to improve on. Um, next week home opener against Muskingum, September tenth at one p.m. We look forward to seeing y'all there. Me and Cole are definitely going to try to make the game. Absolutely. So it's going to be a good time. I think we're going to see a much more improved team this year. A much more improved, much more improved discipline wise. I think the passing attack is still going to be there. Oh, I think the passing attack is going to be potent. I'm interested to see how the rushing attack goes. So that's that's going to be fun to watch. I from what it looks like it's going to be in, it's going to be a fairly decent Ferrum team this year. Have they said if it's going to be a whiteout or not? No. That was last week was they wore the white uniforms. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling though. I'm wondering if the Averett game will be a wide-out game. Probably. I think that's probably going to be a new tradition. I wonder if that'll be – yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. So, be looking forward to that. Musk and Gum, September 10th, 1 p.m. at Farum home opener. Um, Do I have to talk about it? You won the rock, paper, scissors before we started this. So, yes. If I have to talk about it, Talk about mine. You must talk about yours. LSU lost to Florida State 23-24 off of a blocked extra point. (laughs) Who would have thunk it? Not me! (laughs) 
Um, I thought LSU was going to come in and absolutely decimate Florida State. And if you look at Jaden Daniels, who thankfully was named the starter before the game. Hey, from what I saw, though, Jaden Daniels did fairly yeah, well. No, Jaden Daniels did a great job. And honestly, if you look at our rushing game, Jaden Daniels played a big part on both sides of the offensive ball. Like, 209 for two touchdowns through the air, 26-35, and then rushing 16 carries for 114 yards. No touchdowns, but still, that's over 320 yards combined. I will, I'll tell you this, Cole, is <clears throat> watching this game, and I, I, I don't know if you'll take this as a compliment or not. I hope you do. Watching that game as a West Virginia fan, watching Jaden Daniels, is it Jaden or Jalen? Jaden. With a D. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. Watching Jaden Daniels really reminded me of – he reminded me of someone that I know very well. well. I say I know very well, but as a West Virginia fan, I know very well. He reminded me very much of Pat White. He looks it. In his mobility and just in his in his passing game. Pat White could throw a nice ball, even though yeah. he rushed it, even though he relied on his legs a lot. He well, still could throw the ball fairly decently. As an LSU fan, here's what scares me. Noah Kane, Armani Goodwin, and Josh Williams. Combined, they had 13 attempts, under 50 yards rushing, and one touchdown. Is rushing going to take a backseat priority to this LSU team? Historically, it should not. Think about all of the great running backs to come out of LSU in the last eight seasons. I mean, you had Leonard Fournette, Clyde Edwards, Helaire. Um, Lord, what was the one for the commanders that went out? But either way, you look and you see, you know, three running backs got touches, could not produce for over 50 yards. And Noah Kane should have produced for at least 50, like looking at it. Mm-hmm. Seven carries, there's no way you shouldn't be averaging at least, you know, six yards a rush mm-hmm. if you're a great running back. <clears throat> um, Jeray Jenkins stepped up. Kayshawn Boot fell off. Like, he had that crucial drop in the third quarter that absolutely ripped my soul out <laughs> of my body. Um, our defense held the almighty Seminoles to 392 total yards, uh, 260 passing yards, 132 rushing yards, and 5.5 yards per play roughly. (laughs) Um, With a nice targeting call, by the way. Yeah, with a great targeting call. That was awesome. Um, it was like that was no. I've never if, seen a targeting you, call. If you more blatant. look up targeting in the dictionary, that should be the video clip that plays. That will be the video clip that absolutely plays. And that was uh, second quarter, I think. What scares me again? LSU's offense had two fumbles, and we lost both of them. Clearly, we're not disciplined. Um, we did convert two fourth down conversions, which was really awesome. Um, 
but you know when it mattered most and we had the game on the line uh we couldn't block anyone so i don't like it i will not like it i will never like it but i was impressed with lsu in that last um that last drive that they had. We put together a fantastic two-minute drill. Exactly. That was, I mean, I, that's one of the best I've ever seen. Just marching down the field. What was that, 98 yards yeah. that you went all the way down yeah. there? we started on the two. Also, though, I will say this. I did, Kayshawn Boot did not get his first catch of the game until four minutes left in the fourth quarter, which I thought was a little absurd because I was that, that really surprised me that that was his first catch. Kayshawn Boot just didn't show up at all. Like, and I don't know if that was because Jane Daniels and Boot don't have that kind of relationship yet, or if Kayshawn Boot just wasn't having. I know he had the one drop in the third quarter. Um, that was the only drop that I really saw from him. But beyond that, I mean, it didn't look like the targeting or targeting. Excuse me, the uh, play calls were designed for Boot at all. Like looking, I did see that one jet sweep. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, that was great. It wasn't boot. I think that was um, uh, Jerry Jenkins, if I'm not mistaken. He had a great uh, rush off of that. And then the flea flicker for the touchdown, which I think got called back, if I'm not mistaken. I think it did, too. Um, but, yeah, that was that was really impressive play calling from Florida State. Um, kudos to Florida State. To win Great it off win. of a blocked extra point. Like, that was yeah. not at all what I was expecting. No, I, was I was expecting, expecting OT. I was expecting overtime as well. I was like, they're going to give it a rush, but they're not. They're, I mean, it's an extra yeah. point. They're not going to block it. And you cannot be bad at Byron. Because, like, here's what, here's what I have an issue with, is that there are fans going, they're saying, you should have gone for two, you should have gone for two. Okay, well, if you go for two and fail, then people are going to say, well, you should have kicked the extra point. Look at what happened to uh, JR. Yeah. This past Friday against yep. Salem. He yeah. went for two, and look at what every single Franklin County fan who doesn't, like, who just watches the games mm-hmm. is like, oh, well, you should have kicked the extra point. Well, but here's the thing, too. Two touchdowns before that, they, Franklin County missed the extra point as well. Yeah. Salem did, Salem did too, but, dude, I mean, we're going to, we'll, we'll talk about the Frank. we're going to, I guess we'll talk about it now, is on that final play, they they pulled a trick play. All the offensive line went all the way over to the. <laughs> all it would have been like, like an inch, inch down, an inch closer, an inch closer. But it was it was a weird trick play. Center lines up to snap the ball. The rest of the O line is over all the way on the left side hash. Yeah, setting up for a screen. Setting up for a screen, which. It was, it was a weird – I thought – because I've seen plays do that. I've seen trick plays go like that before, and then the O-line comes back, mm-hmm. and they snap, and, and, and it goes to a more yeah. traditional look offensively. So it's very – that's what I was expecting. I, I'm not going to – I don't blame him for going for two because I probably would have gone for two as well. I mean, shoot, you just came back. And at one point, you were down a touchdown or two. Yeah. And you came back, and we're going to beat Salem. Yeah. For the first time in ten years. For the first time in ten years, I thought I thought Friday night was the night to do it. Yeah, I thought, and and it almost was, just a, like literally just a fingertip shorter. Yeah, and Franklin County would have won that game. Kudos yeah. to those guys, by yeah, the way. Absolutely, that that team's gonna fought. win some ball games this year. Yes, absolutely. Um, and if you can come within one score 
of um, of Salem. Yeah. What does that mean for the rest of your teams? Yeah. I mean, the next toughest opponent is going to be probably William Byrd. It's going to be uh, William Byrd and Cave Spring. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm very excited with this Franklin County team now. Uh, one thing I would like to see, and granted, it is just high school, so you can't really do a whole lot with it. But same formation almost every play. Pro right forty six, baby. Yep. You can't. I thought stop it was pro right forty five. No, it's pro right forty six. Pro right forty five okay. is when we run it to the left. Pro right forty six is when we run it to the right. Gotcha. Um, a little bit more air attack this time. Yeah. So, but well, I was. And Eli has a great arm on him, and you can see that. And it's also tough for Eli as well because he plays defense too. Yeah. So you know oh, he's out there for, you know, he he's playing at least a good, almost all yeah, <laughs> all the snaps. Close to the, all of the snaps. <laughs> all of the snaps. Um, going back to LSU though. Yeah. Excuse me. Sorry. No, I you're just, fine. I, that was another thing. Oh yes, it was a we. If we want to go, we went zero and four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it was a brutal, and I mean that's football. In general, it is football is like we're gonna have loved weeks this wa- year. You where loved watching the games. The games were amazing all the way through, until the last whistle blew. Yep. And you're like, that's it, because I guarantee you, if LSU would have had two more minutes on the clock, we would have won the game. Absolutely. Well, I, you didn't even need that though. You needed that one second to win. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. That was. Yeah. Dude, when you, when when that blocked field goal happened, I could not believe it. I was like, LSU is doing a phenomenal job offensively. Like Florida State was on their heels. You could they could not stop no. you. Um, great, uh, just field awareness. Yeah. Where to go with the ball? I'm catching it. It's I'm going to the sidelines. You know, just it, well. And you look at it. That's what awareness. Brian Kelly preaches and does in general is he preaches discipline and he preaches football awareness for his players. You look at that last minute and 30 mm-hmm. where we had to go 98 yards and score, mm-hmm. that's where Brian Kelly's coaching comes in, and that's where you see LSU's talent versus FSU's talent. There is nothing more LSU could have done on that final drive. You did no. any everything humanly possibly no. – everything human humanly po- – excuse me. You did everything humanly possible outside of a miracle to win that game. Did you could you have prevented that by previous mistakes within the game? Absolutely. Yes. But you made up for that in that final say. And yeah. I thought for sure this was gonna go to overtime. LSU has definitely got more of a shot to win it. Um but just that was that was a great effort, great second effort by FSU, by Florida State to just block that field goal. Yeah. Block that that extra point. What a I, way to go out. I would almost rather get blown out than to lose in a heartbreaker like that, you know? Yeah. Like, you, you get my hopes up, so don't it? <laughs> um, taking my pain away for a second and listening to yours, speaking of heartbreaks, Owen. Cole, I want to read you these stats, and you tell me, if you had not known the score of the game, had not watched the game, please tell me which team you thought would have won. Total offensive yards, West Virginia, 404. Pitt, 384. Total passing yards, West Virginia had 214. Pitt had 308. Total rushing yards, West Virginia, 190. Pitt, 76. Average yards per play, 5.5 for West Virginia, 6.2 for Pitt. West Virginia had 23 first downs. Pitt only had 19. 
West Virginia was 8 for 16 on third down. Pitt was only 5 for 12. West Virginia ran a total of 73 plays compared to Pitt's 62. They both each had six punts. West Virginia had 11 penalties for 72 yards. Pitt had eight for 76. They both lost a fumble, like within 30 seconds of each other. Yeah, that was a crazy. West Virginia had one interception. I will get to that later on. West Virginia had had the ball 27 and a half minutes. Pitt had it for 32 and a half. Which is which makes sense as much as Pitt runs the ball. I want you to tell me, based off those stats, who would you have thought won the game? West Virginia in a close game. West Virginia in a very close game. Yep. 38-31, Pitt wins the backyard brawl. Weren't you saying um, Neil Brown was undefeated when his team rushed for over 100? You know, it's rushed. funny. When I bring up that stat... That that happens. Up to this point, Neil Brown had been undefeated when he rushed for over 100 yards. This man had was 10 yards from 200 yards. Yeah. I could cry. I, I could so cry. Um, you know, here's where I think West Virginia made some, some mistakes. You're undisciplined. Offensive line, too many false start penalties, way too many. I understand it's a big game, but get it together. And that falls back on coaching, too. For three years we have this issue. That falls back on the offensive line coach. Get your act together. All five of you are returning. There's no sense for a false start penalty within se- within seconds or minutes of each other. It's – I – that's that 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 was ridiculous. Um, let's talk about the fourth and one down, the fourth and one play. You are literally West Virginia to tee it up here. West Virginia played a decent game. I mean, they played a, a really good game. Ran the ball well, passed the ball fairly de- decent. JT Daniels did did nothing wrong. His how do I say that? his um. QB intelligence, off the charts. Off the charts. When a ball looked underthrown, you're like, man, that ball was underthrown. But, you know, they show the replay, and I'm like, man, if he had overthrew that ball or threw it right to our guy, interception. He was making throws that, like, they may not look like have much, but they're difficult throws for a quarterback to make, and he's making them look like a piece piece of cake. Those fadeaway throws, amazing. Could not have caught it better. I remember, or could um, not have walked up and handed it to him better. I remember watching the game, and um, sequences stuck out to me it was about five minutes through the second quarter. Um, he had to roll. I think he rolled right, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Yeah. And he threw a crossbody to the other sideline, and I think it was like within a fingertip again of yeah. the wide receiver. And that's that's another thing too is like ball placement was key for JT Daniels. Ball placement. Amazing. Yes. Ball placement was great. It reminds me so much of Will Greer, how Will Greer could just place that ball perfectly. Wide receivers got to catch the ball, man. Yeah. Absolutely utterly ridiculous. Bryce, not not Bryce Wheaton. Bryce Wheaton did a good job. Bryce Ford Wheaton did a good job, but you can't 
that's a routine passage you've got to catch. Yeah. Don't tell me it's a 10 out of 10. That's a fluke playing. Okay, it's a fluke thing. If it's a fluke, shouldn't happen that much. No. He dropped a couple balls. Now, he really put that team on his back, though. Yeah. I felt, I felt really bad for him after the game because I was like, man – he does not. That's not the way he deserves to go out. Yeah, nine receptions, a hundred yards, or two touchdowns, seven yards. Yeah. but come on. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, two touchdowns. I mean, he he really, really did well for this team, and it's just that one play, that yeah. one play, and it really was a fluke play. But how did West Virginia lose on a fluke play last year against Maryland? Another fluke play, fluke defensive play that happened. So, you know, West West Virginia. I'm going to be honest, like, it feels like Neil Brown's a lot like Scott Frost in the fact that you get in these close games and you can't do anything about it. Like, you just, you know, you're not, you're, you're not, it doesn't seem like. You're, you're not playing to win. You're not, you're, if you play not to lose, you will play not to win. Yeah. That's, you know, and that's the thing, too, with Neil Brown. So, setting up here, you got six minutes left to go in the game. You're winning this game right now. It's 31-24. You're fourth in millimeters, I mean literally inches from this first down marker, less than a foot. All you have to do, C.J. Donaldson, stand out, freshman, came into, came into fall camp as a tight end, and then he comes out and explodes like that. There is not a single besides J.T. Daniels, and that's just because sacks are counted in. Mm-hmm. There is not a single running back on your roster that did not average more than three yards a rush. C.J. Donaldson, I think, averaged a little bit more. 17.9. Okay. 17.9. Tony Mathis had 4.4. And Justin Johnson had three. Yeah. What I'm saying is is all of your running backs averaged more than what you needed to get the fourth down. Yes. Anyway, continue. Okay. I see what you're saying now. Okay. Absolutely. But C.J. Donaldson just broke for a big run because we was third and long, and he literally was within millimeters, millimeters of getting that first down. And what does Neil Brown do? He tries to get Pitt to jump, doesn't jump, takes a false start penalty, punts it. Looking at the analytics, at that point, West Virginia has an 88% chance of winning that football game. If Neil Brown goes for it, his chances go to 90 – it goes for it and converts. His chances go from 88 to 96% chance of winning. If he punts, which he did, his chances go from 88% to 97% of winning the game. So his, chance actually, his chances of winning the game actually increase by a percent. However, it's a percentage point, one point. You don't even get your quarterback to line up under center. They're in shotgun formation. I just, I, I mean, that's 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 ridiculous. That's giving up the game. Yes, and but I understand his reasoning for it though, because the defense had just made great great back to back sequences of three and outs for Pitt when their defense was out there. So his think his thought process is if I can punt, pin them with inside their own ten yard line, our defense has held them well. So they hold them, get another three and out within inside their ten yard line. 
we get the punt more than likely, and they punt. You're roughly around the, the 50. What, 50, 40, yeah. or you're 40. Yeah, 50, maybe they're 40 if it's a bad punt. But you, but you're, you know, and I, I don't blame him for that, for that thought process, because he was right. But, dude, you've got, a, you've got an offense this year. Wide receivers got to catch the ball. That's, that's the biggest improvement that I've seen is wide receivers have to catch the balls. That's the biggest improvement that you need from right, I need the West them, Virginia. Yes, that's the yeah. biggest improvement I need from them. The biggest issue I saw was they, can't, they, they were not catching the ball. You've got to hold on to that ball. You, so you punt, but you're not expecting a 98-yard drive from Pitt's offense. I mean, 98 yards, they go down and score. You tie the game up 31-31, and then we know what happens. JT Daniels throws it straight into Bryce Ford Wheaton's hands. Can't catch it. Bounces right off his hands. Falls into the pits. Uh, falls into the defensive, uh, the safety's hands. Returns for a pick six. 38-31. Pick and six or pit six? <laughs> well, this has been another episode of the Panther Pod. <laughs> it's set out of love. It's set out of love. You would do the exact same thing to me, and you have done the exact yes, same have, thing no, to I me. Um, so, that happens. Absolute crucial loss. Cole, I still am very upset by this. Like, I'm still very sad. You're on the verge of tears right now. I can see it. Yeah. Like, it's... I'm, but, uh, I will say this, though, and there have been a lot of similarities made between two different teams. Rich Rod's 2003 team and Dana Holgerson's 2017 team. In 2003, you, you start off with a heartbreak loss against Miami, who was at the time a big, yeah, it's big East rival. U. Come on. 2017, very similar situation to with what happened with Pitt. You hadn't played Virginia Tech in over – you hadn't played Virginia Tech in 12 years – you go to D.C., and it's another slugfest. I mean, throwing punches back and forth. Tech ends up winning that game. Devastating loss for West Virginia. And there's similarities between this and that. I see more similarities between this team and – I see more similarities between this team and that 2017 team than I do with the 2003 team is – 2017, you get a quarterback from an SEC team. He's still got two years left of eligibility, and he has a great ball placement. And he's raving, and he's and people are raving about that. Who's that remind you of right now? You know, yeah. So, um, and you had standout wide receivers: Gary Jennings, David Stills. You know, and then this year you've got Bryce Ford, Wheaton, Sam James, Caden Prather, Reese Smith, and. You know, that's just something that, like, there's a lot of similarities between that team. That team then went on to go 7-3 and three for its next 10 games. I would love to see West Virginia then go on to go 7-3 and three for its next 10 games. You've, here's the thing. For Neil Brown, you've got to beat Kansas convincingly. You've got to beat Townsend convincingly. And I don't think Townsend is a question mark for either of us. But you've got to beat them convincingly. And then you've got to go into a tech, a bad Virginia Tech team, and beat them as you well. You've got to beat the brakes off of them. Yeah. In order for that to heal a little bit. 
from the pit loss. Yeah. And that's one thing I think hurts with this. Just to do service to your fans. Exactly. And and then you got to walk into Austin three and one, and 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 not and, and beat Texas. I mean, you've got to beat Texas. So yeah, horns down by the horns way. down, horns down. And this this one hurts yeah. bad. And I think Neil Brown knows that. He put out a, a a post on Twitter yesterday saying or today saying, "Hey fans, you know we understand that last week was a real tough loss." And last week was real, or this past week was a real tough loss. We're in our Kansas preparation week. Come out, support these Mountaineers, you know, yada, da da da. And it sounds a little desperate. It's going to sound bad because I think he knows how many people are mad and upset, more more upset and hurt by this loss than um than what than what was previously thought. You know, I think he understands how many per, how many people, how many fans are upset and hurt by this. And look, West Virginia is never going to lose. West Virginia is not losing fans. No. However, Neil Brown is. Quickly. Quickly. You and there's even a there's even a there's even a thing too. And I don't know what to make of this, but a him and Pat Narduzzi are him and Pat Narduzzi are talking pregame, and Pat Narduzzi is mic'd up with ESPN. And you can catch Neil Brown saying, you can catch Neil Brown saying, all this for one game, all this, like, dude, no, that's, it's more than just one game. It's the backyard brawl, you know? So, I just think, Neil Brown's got a, got some issues that he's got to work on, and I think coaching-wise, he's got to work on some things. From what I'm understanding from some articles I've read was, yes, Graham Harrell had a play drawn up. He was prepared to go for it on fourth down, but we don't know what happened after that. We don't know if Neil over, uh, overruled him and said, well, no, we're not going for it. So, um, Either way, it's, it's a very heartbreaking loss. And, um, you know, obviously the talent was there on both sides of the ball. Um, Pitt has demonstrated that, you know, Keaton Slovis, I do not like him. I don't think you like him. I don't think anyone likes Keaton Slovis. Except Pitt fans. Except Pitt fans. They think he's the next coming of, you know, Dan Marino. Or Kenny Pickett. <laughs> or Kenny Pickett. Um, do I think that Keaton Slovis is going to win the Heisman this year? Absolutely not. Do I think he had a phenomenal game against West Virginia? Yes. I think he had a good game against West Virginia. West I don't think he threw for more than one touchdown, but I do think he threw for 308 yards and went 16 for 24. That's yep. hard to beat. Yep. And JT's numbers, uh, completion numbers, would have been a lot higher had he um, – his passing numbers would have been a lot higher had – the wide receivers held on to the ball. Yeah. Um, another thing I'll say about this, and I'm not going to say I'm not going to blame it on the refs because there were p- for sure penalties that West Virginia West Virginia shot themselves in the foot. Like I want to see a game where another team beats West Virginia, not West Virginia shoots themselves in the yeah. foot and beats their own th- themselves. Um, but I will say this: if that catch for Barthol- Andrew Bartholomew, which was a tight end for Pitt, if that catch and that 
in the fourth quarter was a catch, then why wasn't Reese, Reese Smith's a catch? There's too there's too much inconsistency, and Neil Brown said that in his press in his uh, post game press conference is don't ask me what a don't ask me what a catch is don't ask me what a targeting call is because I don't because there were there, there were targeting calls a pit too that were missed that were overruled. well I mean and then LSU comes out and defines what a targeting call is. and we and here's the thing West Virginia had a targeting call that also defined what a targeting call was yeah. So in this day and age, you can't do that. That's I'm no. going to be honest. That's that's dumb plays yeah. by those the players. players. Yeah, they're coached better than that because they they know what a targeting call is. Yeah. So you can't go heads up on another team's quarterback. Exactly, that's not going to fly in now, any I, sense of the word. I will say though, the argument against the targeting call is: look, we want everybody to be safe, but also it's football. Yeah, stuff You're, like that if, happens. Yeah, if you don't want to get hit, don't play. Yeah. So and I, I also I understand, you know, I don't think any of the targeting calls that happened in week one, mm-hmm. um, not that I've seen anyway. I haven't watched every single game, but any targeting call that I've seen in the few games that I did watch were not done with malicious intent. Yeah. So it's Kansas. We've got to beat Kansas. Con- excuse me, convincingly. We'll get to that on Wednesday. Heartbreak week for us here on the Panther Pod, but uh, next up we have Southern. We should absolutely beat the brakes off. Southern. Absolutely, but it's, again, we'll cover that on Wednesday. I think um, for me and you, this next week's going to be a revenge game. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, um, but you know, tough week one. It's yeah. it's hard, but hopefully next week we can go. You yeah. know, three zero, four zero. If we're counting FCHS football. Yeah. So, but for that, I'm Owens Pounding. My name's Cole Connor. And this has been Heartbreak Week for the Panther Pod. Woo-hoo.